All right, good morning. Welcome this morning. How y'all doing? Are you doing good? All right, praise the Lord. Hey, uh, one, actually, two quick announcements. Next Sunday evening, we have a concert here. Um, that group is coming in, Christ Safari. They'll be here 5 o'clock. Uh, I think we're doing it out back on the grass, I believe. Right? Is that correct? Well, just come. Invite. Listen, if you have a friend or neighbor that doesn't know the Lord, can I encourage you to bring them to that concert? Um, Christ Safari, they do their ministry, their music ministry, as an outreach to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you can come, be awesome. But Saturday we have surf camp. Yes. It's that time of year again. Surf camp is on. What is surf camp? So we, go, we take the 45 freeway south to 45th Street. We hook a right and we hit the seawall and we have a bunch of tents where we camp out. We made it real simple, 45 to 45. And then at the seawall right there, we're going to have, you, you can't miss us. We got a whole bunch of easy up, pop up tents. And uh, for those that want to learn how to surf, we, we give them lessons. You don't need to bring a board. We have boards. Um, we also do a time of worship. We get into the Word also. We have a little Bible study, a little devotional. And then uh, we also do baptisms too. We already have one person that wants to get baptized. And so totally stoked about that. And uh, it's also an out, really an outreach to the community down there. We've had people get saved, people that come and get baptized um, we had someone that was about to commit suicide, gave their life to the Lord. Like, God's just, anytime we gather together, God does awesome stuff. You know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm saying about that? So, uh, what do you bring? Bring a towel? Bring aloe? Sunscreen, yeah, sunscreen. I say aloe because, listen, Sunday morning, I'll look out after surf camp, and I can spot everybody that's been at surf camp. Surf camp, surf camp, not at surf camp, surf camp, by the, the burnt Reynolds face, the, the tomato look you got going. So bring a chair. We'll have some food. We'll have uh, hot dogs and uh, stuff like that. We'll cook. Uh, bring some water, beach chair. And just show up. You know, it's a great time of fellowship for us to connect and spend time together. So if you can't come, please pray for that because it is an outreach also to the community down there. With that, we have a Bible study this morning. We are in Ephesians. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand and we will get you a Bible. Ephesians. What chapter? Where are we at? Chapter 3, what verse? You guys remember what verse we're at? We're starting a new chapter. Cool. Chapter 3, verse 1. For those of you who needed a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, please feel free to keep that as a gift to you from the Lord. We want everyone to have God's Word in our hands, in our hearts, right? All right. Well, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for this special morning that you've blessed us with and to freely be able to come before you 
in this place you provided so comfortable, Lord, and such a blessing and to have a building, Lord, and yet we know the building is not the structure around us, but each and every one of us as your children. And we're reminded of that again this morning, of the, the miracle that you've done, not only to connect us to you, but to one another. And this special work that you're doing within each one of us individually and corporately, it's by your grace and by your spirit is just so awesome. And we're so thankful you've made it so simple. You've called us to simply trust you, to trust and obey and to watch you work. And thank you for the fruit you've allowed us to see. And um, this morning is no different, Lord. We, we trust that you're going to do a work in each one of us. Thank you that your word is truth. It gives us understanding and brings light to darkness transforms us and changes us. And so we thank you ahead of time for the great things you're going to do this morning. We commit this time to you now. May you get all the glory. May you be the one that looks good. It's in your precious and your holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so just by way of reminder, I know I share this like every week, but the book of Ephesians, six chapters, breaks in half, Three and three. The first three chapters are all of the spiritual blessings that we have as Christians, being in Christ. Since we've put our trust in Jesus, we've given him our hearts, there are all kinds of spiritual blessings that are now attached to our lives. And Paul begins in chapter one by listing those out for us, all the wealth that we have as believers. And it's amazing. Isn't it awesome to consider all that the Lord has done I know for some of us, some of the things that we've read are like brand new. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that. And, and, and so as we work through these first three chapters, we're reminded by Paul of our wealth. And then the last three chapters, Paul begins to share with us what our walk should look like in light of all that God has done for us, all of our riches that we have now in Christ. What's the proper response? Here's all the wealth I have. Now here's what our walk should look like. Are you with me? And we were reminded last week of the miracle that that God has done in making us the church. Remember what we talked about, the wall of separation between Jewish believers and Gentile believers is gone. It's been removed. There are no barriers in the church, you guys. We are all one, one flock, one body, Um, Paul also says we're a temple, a temple of the Holy Spirit as well. So every time we gather together, not only individually are you a temple of the Holy Spirit wherever you go, but corporately as well, the Lord is here with us in a special way this morning. Isn't that radical to consider? Is that pretty cool to think about this morning? He's here with the power to heal, the power to work in our lives in a special way. Again, I shared last week, and I know I offended some people, it's way different watching online. It's way different than being here in person or gathering together as God's people. God does awesome stuff in our midst, in our hearts together. And Paul reminded us of that last week. And then he begins, let's check it out this morning, Ephesians 3. Paul says, God's word says, Paul writes, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus 
For you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And here's the mystery, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. And so Paul begins, let me draw your attention to verse 1 just for a minute. He says, for this reason or for this cause or for the sake of, and he's speaking about the church here specifically, and he's talking again about the, the miracle that God has done bringing Jews and Gentiles together, believers as one, one body, one flock, one church, all united in the Lord. It's glorious. And he says there, I, Paul, and how does Paul identify himself? Prisoner of Christ Jesus. Where was Paul? He was in prison. He was in jail. Where at? In Rome. He was in prison in Rome for serving the Lord, for sharing the gospel. And notice, if you flip forward, flip forward with me real quick to chapter 6, Paul says at the end of the letter, 620, he says, for which I am an ambassador in chains. So Paul is in prison. He's got some chains. You think that's very comfortable wearing chains? It's not. He's in chains, and it's interesting, at the, in chap, back in chapter 3, it says, in verse 13, he says, Therefore I ask you that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And so Paul is experiencing some tribulation, some pain, some suffering that have accompanied the chains that he's wearing in prison. He's not having a great time in prison here. But here's the thing, as he's writing, he's not, he's not, it's not a woe is me pity party. Because that can happen, can it, when we're going through hard times? Can that happen, you guys? We can turn it all inward, focus on ourselves, and do like a woe is me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm crying the poor memes. You guys ever do that? It's totally the flesh, by the way. Paul's focus is totally other-centered. He says, I'm going through these tribulations, I'm in chains, I'm a prisoner, but it's for your glory, it's for your benefit, and so that God's kingdom will be furthered, and notice he says he's a prisoner, not of Rome or of Caesar, but of who? Of Christ Jesus. I'm Jesus' prisoner. Rome is not ruling my life, Jesus is ruling my life. And so if you think about a prisoner, what, what is a prisoner? A prisoner is someone taken captive and in servitude to or under the authority and control of someone else. And so what's Paul saying? I, I am in servitude to Jesus Christ. 
I am under the control of Jesus Christ, under the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm not a prisoner of anybody else. My circumstances, my situation, I am the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that tells me? Paul looked beyond his circumstances. I'm stuck in this place. And remember, he's an apostle, right? What's an apostle? Sent out one. And so Paul was sent out by the Lord, and what did he do? He planted churches. Didn't he plant, church? did he plant churches? He pastored churches. Man, he was all over the, the, the Mediterranean world, uh, Asia Minor also, planting and pastoring. And now all of a sudden, where is he? He's behind bars. He's imprisoned. And it's, what's he do? So I can't get out of these chains. What's the next best thing I can do? I'm going to write letters. I'm going to minister to these guards that are getting rotated out every so often. I'm going to be sharing the gospel with them. You see how he viewed his circumstances? I'm not a prisoner of this situation. The Lord has me here. He slowed me down, and I'm going to serve him no matter what. That's so so good, you guys, to remember. Isn't Isn't that good to be reminded of this morning? Because maybe your circumstances are that way. They're gnarly. They're heavy. You're weighed down. It's like, you know what? Look to the Lord and say, Lord, use me right here where I'm at. What do you want to do in and through my life? Well, look at Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. In other words, on your behalf. Oh, by the way, what are Gentiles? Non-Jews. All right. So those not from a Jewish background, that was Paul's main calling, correct? Genesis, or Genesis, Galatians 2, Paul's main ministry was to the Gentiles, right? Peter was to the Jews, and Paul was to the Gentiles. They had crossover to ministry, but predominantly it was to the Gentiles. And so it's interesting, Paul says this, and it's almost like he interrupts himself, or he stops and pauses, because from verse 2 down to verse 7 is one long run-on sentence. Paul has a lot of those, doesn't he? These run-on sentences you got to just break down. And uh, it's like, why would anyone want to be a prisoner of the Lord? Because listen, it is worth it to serve Jesus, isn't it? It is worth it. His grace is amazing. His grace is freeing. His grace is liberating. And as Paul shared the gospel of grace with others, their lives got set free as well when they put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul has a deep appreciation for what God had done and what the Lord was doing. And so he tells them about the mystery. Let's see what he says here. Verse 2, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to, given to who? To Paul for you. And so he's like, you heard about, you know about the dispensation. What's dispensation mean? What does that word mean? Crickets. Bueller. Bueller. What does it mean? It means, it means a strategy. It can mean strategy. We saw this word used earlier in chapter one. Dispensation can mean strategy. It also means a stewardship. You guys know what a stewardship is, right? Stewardship is something entrusted to you that doesn't belong to you that you are held accountable for. Remember in the Bible, Moses? You guys remember Moses? He was a steward of his father-in-law's sheep. You guys remember Jethro? He was 
his stewardship was to take care of something that didn't belong to him. He took care of his father-in-law's sheep. Joseph, you guys remember Joseph too from the Bible? Joseph had a stewardship in Potiphar's house. He was responsible for those things entrusted to him. Listen, every one of us here this morning, you have a stewardship. Are you with me? You've been, you're a steward of your life, steward of the gospel, steward of your testimony, steward of the word of God, steward of your marriage, of your kids. Our kids are on loan to us, by the way. Did you know that? 18 years, they belong to God. They be, do you guys know that? They belong to the Lord. But we are, they're on loan to God. We have a stewardship to train them up in the way that they should go. Then we, like arrows in a quiver, right? You pull them out and bling, right at the target, right? The way they should be going. We, had, we send them out in the direction they should go. And by the grace of God, they walk with Jesus. Amen? And so every one of us, and it's required in a steward that they be found what? Faithful. That's the one requirement in a steward, that you're faithful with what has been entrusted to you. And so what was entrusted to Paul, this dispensation, this stewardship of what? What does it say? Of the grace of God. Do you guys like God's grace? Anybody here like God's grace? His kindness, his favor, we don't deserve it. All of his blessings. Paul says, I've been a recipient of all of God's grace, his blessings in my life, his kindness, his favor. He gave it to me for what? For you. In other words, he received grace. He didn't hoard the grace he was given, but what did he do? The grace flowed out of his life. Is that important, you guys? Should we have grace flowing from our lives? I mean, it says about Jesus in John chapter 1, of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace, layer upon layer of grace, not just to keep to ourselves, but that grace would be flowing from our lives into the lives of those around us, to give grace, to share grace, to speak about his grace. Look at verse 3. Paul goes on, how that by revelation... That means to uncover or unveil. He, God, made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. And so Paul now talks about by God's grace, the Lord did what? The Lord unveiled, uncovered. He made this mystery known to him. When you read mystery in the Bible, don't think like Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. That's still around. Is Nancy Drew still around? Don't think like it's a whodunit story. Mystery, when we read mystery in the Bible, it means something that was concealed, but now revealed because we are trusting in Jesus Christ. He's the one that has revealed it to us. Are you with me? Once you're, the idea is once you're initiated into the family, that now these secrets are revealed, if you will, to us. And so Paul says, I briefly wrote about them. Look at the end of the verse. He says, I've briefly written already... And this mystery he's talking about, we learned last week in verses 11 to 22. If you were not here, can I encourage you to go online and check it out and to listen? I mean, it's great to be reminded, but Paul's going to tell us in verse 6, kind of give us a little recap of what the mystery is. And it's Jews and Gentiles becoming one church in Christ, one family, one flock, one temple, one building in Christ. And so he goes on, look at verse 4 with me. He said, when you read, or by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And so when you read, 
So when you hear this letter read or when you read it yourself, because when these letters were sent, we read about, we, we get these letters in the New Testament, these epistles, they would be read to the church, right? And so, for example, we get a letter from Paul, right? It's to us here at, we in Cyprus, we're in Cyprus, yeah. Calvary Chapel in Cyprus, West Houston or whatever, and then all of a sudden we, we open the scroll and now it's read, we're listening, and Paul's saying when this is read, when you read this, that you will have a great understanding, or in other words, you'll have a greater grasp of the insight that God has given me concerning this beautiful mystery, that you'll, that you'll come to, to full understanding of the blessing you have. Because again, remember the Gentiles were con- considered second-class citizens, by the Jews. They hated one another. Are you with me? Both, both people, there was, again, there was racial tension, uh, 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 prejudice, and all of that going on. And, and we learned last week that that wall comes down. All of that go- comes down in Christ. He is our peace. He makes peace for us. And so Paul, this was really, like, we talk about the church and, oh yeah, the church, but really it's a miracle, you guys. And we're going to talk about how much of a miracle the church is in just a moment. How God has brought us together. God's connected us to him through Jesus Christ. But we are also connected together also in a special way for a special purpose as well. So let's keep rolling. So Paul says, I want you guys to get this. And then in other ages, verse 5, check it out. Previously, this mystery was not understood, was not made known to the sons of men, now it's revealed. Now it's uncovered by who? What's your Bible say? Verse 5. By who? The Spirit. By the Holy Spirit to the Lord's holy apostles and prophets. Remember we learned last week the holy apostles and prophets are part of the foundation of the church, correct? Who's the chief cornerstone? Jesus is, Right? And then the foundation goes from Jesus, the chief cornerstone, to these holy apostles and prophets also. And then we're built upon the foundation also as living stones. You guys remember we talked about that last week? We talked about who's that blockhead next to you. Were you guys here last week? Correct? We're being fitted together. We grow together in this holy temple. And so these holy prophets... The Holy Spirit revealed to them this mystery of the church, of Jewish believers and Gentile believers coming together as one. And I love that it's mentioned here about the holy apostles and prophets. It was revealed to them, and they wrote this. They gave us the scriptures, you guys. This is so important because God breathed through these men to give us the holy scriptures. Aren't you grateful for the word of God? They received God's grace, and they, what? God's grace flowed through their lives, through their quills, as they were writing these letters for us. And so we have now the full revelation of God. Do you know that? 66 books. You don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Are you with me? Don't be an editor of God's Word. There's a lot of editors out there these days of God's Word. Please be careful. I, I think I encouraged us on Wednesday night those that take away from the Word, or those that add to the Word of God. This is the full revelation of God. 66 books, divinely inspired, no error, no contradictions, absolutely perfect, infallible. It's always in style, too, by the way. You don't have to make it more hip, more cool. You know what I'm talking about? They're the holy scriptures, not the 
culturally relevant scriptures or the hip scriptures. They're the holy scriptures. 66 books, 40 different authors, three different languages, three different continents, over 1,500 years, and it all is singular and purpose and theme, and, and it all points to Jesus Christ. That's a miracle, you guys. What you have in your hand is a miracle. Are you with me? The Word of God is a miracle. It's been preserved for us by men and women that were faithful to contend earnestly for the faith, that were willing to lay down their lives, that we would have the Word of God in our hands, in our hearts, that we could experience the grace of God and grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And so, listen, can I encourage you to contend earnestly for the faith this morning? Can I encourage you in that? You guys with me still? We don't need any other books. Don't let anyone tell you you need anything else. Because Paul told Timothy, the man or woman of God is is thoroughly equipped, complete for every good work. You're thoroughly equipped, complete for every good work. You have everything you need with your Bible in your hands and hidden in your heart, okay? Are you with me? This should be the most important influence in our lives, the Word of God. God speaks to us as living and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. When you give your life to Jesus, it goes from words on a page to what? To life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. You want the Lord to speak to you, man, open your Bible and pray and get alone with the Lord and allow him to minister to your heart. And so these, we, we, the mystery was not just revealed to Paul, but to the holy apostles and the prophets. They received God's grace. It flowed through them. And then look at verse, here's the mystery defined. Look at verse 6. The Gentiles, who are the Gentiles again? Non-Jews should be, number one, there's three things. Number one, fellow heirs. What is an heir? Is it hair? Is that what it says? The hairs on the body of Christ? What's an heir? If you are an heir, it means you are going to inherit something, right? Some of you guys may be getting a sweet inheritance from your family. I'm not. (laughs) The greatest thing we can, listen, the greatest thing we can pass on to our kids and grandkids is a real relationship with Jesus Christ and a love for the Word of God. All that other stuff's going to burn. We are now, we are fellow heirs. Is that what it says, fellow heirs? Fellow heirs. So we are inheriting something. If you're taking notes this morning, let me remind us. I think it's Romans 8. It is. Romans 8, 16. Listen, let this just wash over you this morning. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Isn't that beautiful to think about? We are co-heirs with Christ. You know what that means? Everything the Son inherits from the Father, guess who else inherits that? We do. Is that amazing to think about this morning? The inheritance that our Lord and Savior receives, we're co-heirs with him because of what he did for us. I think that's glorious. And then number two, same body. The mystery includes 
Number one, fellow heirs, and number two, the same body. We are one mystical body made up of both Jewish and Gentile believers. We are one flock, one body. We're all different body parts, correct? Are we all different body parts this morning? Some of us are elbows, some of us are kneecaps, some of us are big toes, some of us are pancreases. Is the pancreas a valuable part of the equipment? of the body? Is the big toe? And there are some in the church, you are the big toe. And listen, we are grateful. I know you're hidden and it's dark and stinky down in here and you're only let out for light once in a while. But listen, without the big toes, we can't walk. Correct? Did you guys know that? Every single body part is absolutely necessary, and that's an illustration or the imagery that Paul gives us in the Bible, is that each one of us is a body part. And as a body part, you are absolutely necessary for the healthy function of the body or the local church. Does that make sense, you guys? And so we're all connected together, same body, and then he says, partakers of his promise. And part of that promise is the promise of the Holy Spirit we learned in chapter 1. We've been recipient. Aren't you guys grateful for the Holy Spirit? Our comforter, our helper, the one to lead us and guide us into all truth. And it's all because of Jesus in Christ, because you belong to Jesus. You've given him your heart through the gospel, it says. You heard the gospel, the good news, that Jesus died for your sins on the cross. He suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day. And you put your trust in him and experienced the forgiveness of sins and a brand new life in him, a fresh start. And so all these blessings come to you simply by what? By grace through, through faith. Amen. Look at verse 7. Paul says, of which I became, what does your Bible say? A minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me. What does minister mean? Am I asking a lot of questions this morning? Some people come here, shouldn't, shouldn't you be answering the questions, Pastor, and giving us the info? What is a minister? Servant. That's right. That's what that word means. Because I came from a church where the minister was the guy with the outfit, the robe. You guys know what I'm talking about? The most reverend or... You guys with me? Sometimes people call here, call the office, just a little insight, little side thing. They call the office and ask for Reverend Robertson. <laughs> and Bonnie, I just laugh. It's like, if they only knew. <laughs> far, far from reverend. But minister means servant. It literally means to kick up dust. Or, or, or in, in Greek, it's used for waiting tables. Isn't that interesting? Because it's, it's kind of gotten twisted, hasn't it? If you're the minister in many churches, people are supposed to serve you, correct? But as a minister, you're to be a servant. And guess what? Are we all called to be servants or just a select few? We're all called to be servants. And Jesus said, if you want to be great in his kingdom, become a servant of just the people you really like. The people that are really cute, who? All. Everybody. And because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom 
for many. And so Paul says what? He says, my role is a servant. And a servant lives to make other people's lives better, by the way. Jesus said, if you want to be blessed, follow his example of washing feet, becoming a servant of those around you. And notice it's a gift of the grace of God. Did you see that? According to, it says what? The gift of the grace of God. Paul says, my role as a servant is a gift of God's grace. I don't deserve it. It's been given to me by his grace. It's because of God's kindness, because of God's favor, his blessing poured out on me. And then notice he mentions also by the effective working of his power. You know what Paul's saying? God is energizing me. He's giving me the grace and strength to do what he's called me to. What he's, he's giving me this gift and he's giving me what I need to be a servant for him. I think that's beautiful. Did you know that when the Lord calls you to do something, he enables you to do it? Did you guys know that this morning? Did you guys know that this morning? By the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you guys know that with me? Husbands loving your wives? That's impossible, isn't it? As Christ loved the church? Made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wives submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord? That's impossible, isn't it? But made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? That's why we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually. Because he wants to strengthen us. The effective working, the energizing, the enabling is from the Lord. He helps us to do that. Are you with me still this morning? This is crucial. And so Paul says, listen, the opportunity to serve God is a gift of the grace of God. The opportunity to serve God is a gift of the grace of God. Do you guys like gifts? No? You guys don't? I love them. I'm not like making this self-serving. <laughs> you guys like gifts? I have a gift. Listen, I have a gift for you this morning. Can I share it with you? It's the opportunity to serve Jesus. Paul says that opportunity to serve is a gift from God. That's awesome. Listen if, I, listen, if I said to you, what's your favorite car? And you said to me, Ferrari, Testarossa, Testaverde, what was it? Somebody, I can't remember. That's okay. And what color would you like? Lime green? Okay, cool. It'll be in your garage this afternoon. Here's the keys. So you go home, you open the garage, there it is. But you never drive it. It just sits in your garage week after week, year after year. You've got this that you've never experienced the power and the performance. It's the same way serving the Lord. The Lord says, here's this gift for you. Here's the strength, the power. I'm going to do the performance through you, through your life. But you've got to take the keys and what? Correct? Correct? you got to get in the car. You need to take the step of faith. With God's commandments come his enablements. When you step out to serve him, whether in service and be in ministering is not just at church. It's in our homes, you guys. That's where our ministry begins. To our spouse, to our kids, 
to our parents. That's where ministry begins, serving the Lord. If we want to follow his example, and what begins to happen when you decide to do that? You take that step of faith, and he meets you right there with the power to do it, with the strength to do it. Like Paul, like Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your... Because we're weak, aren't we? Lord, I can't do this. You can do, my grace is sufficient for you. Lord, I can't take out the kitty litter. Michael, it's panning for gold. Okay, Lord. Because <laughs> I'm doing it for him. <laughs> you, you, you get the perspective, right? It's for the Lord. And he hears the melody in your heart. Because it's grace. It's a gift of grace to serve to be a minister. And God is gracious. Listen, God has graciously qualified us to be bearers of the message of grace and to depict him to others, to show him to those around us. And some of us in our ministries, we are depicting grace. Some of us, it's law. Are you with me? Grace says, oh, I can't, I, this is great, I get to do this. Law is, oh, this is a bummer, I got to do it. You ever seen someone serving the Lord and it looked like a burden? Looked like they were baptized in lemon juice and just ungracious and I got to do this. And that's law. We get to serve the Lord. It is a gift from the Lord that he allows us to serve him. You got, let me, can I illustrate no amens, I'm just going to do it anyway. That's fine. Uh, remember Mary and Martha? You guys remember Mary and Martha? You guys still with me this morning? We good? We, we connecting? Okay, cool. Thank you. Luke 10, right at the end, like last four, five, six verses, Jesus and the, and the guys go to Martha and Mary's house, right? They're going to go to eat. And Bible study, Right? Because eating and Bible study go together just like Wednesday night service. If you've never joined us, we, have, we, we, we feed the, the spirit first, then the flesh after. Right? Okay. So Jesus comes and he's given a Bible study, right? And where's Mary? At the feet of Jesus, it says, hearing his word. And where's Martha? Martha's in the kitchen. And she comes flying out of the kitchen, apron blowing around, hands on her hips. And the, the Greek, it seems like she's standing over Jesus. Remember what she says? Lord! I don't know if that's what she sounds like. Don't you, don't you care? Tell my sister to get in here and help. I mean, you know, listen, you know you are way off. Number one, if you're accusing the Lord of not caring. And number two, telling the Lord what to do. Correct? But doesn't that happen when we haven't been at the feet of Jesus? When we haven't been spending time with him? Right? What's our ministry to our wife look like? Our husband look like? Our kids? Wherever the Lord has us. Right? Are you with me? And isn't Jesus so gracious? Isn't he so gracious? Remember what he said? Martha, Martha, get back in the kitchen. No, he didn't say that, did he? Right? He didn't say that. No. 
He did not say that. You're, you're worried and troubled about many things. You're getting torn in all these different directions. But one thing is necessary. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen. It's a choice you make. It is a choice you make. Tomorrow morning to get up and spend time with Jesus. It's a choice that you make. And when you do, the needful thing gets put back into place. It's your, it's your walk with him. It, you begin to flow with him. You're filled with the word. You're filled with the spirit. And your life is reflecting him with grace. And Jesus defends that place. He said, Mary's chosen the, the best part. And it's not going to be taken away from her. That's the most, listen, that is the most precious place, par, precious real estate on planet earth is at the feet of Jesus. Are you with me? It's blood-bought just for you and for me to spend time at his feet, reading his word, listening to his voice, reading his word, hearing his word, and talking things over with him. And what begins to happen? We treat people with grace. We share grace. We're full of grace and truth like the Lord is. And so, the flesh snarky, grudging, bitter, prideful, in the spirit, grace, love. And so Paul says here, I've become a minister according to the gift of grace given to me by the effective working of his power. And then he says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. Why? That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of of Christ, and here's the second thing to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through who? Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, this is so good, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the, what does your Bible say? The church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So look at verse 8 with me. Paul, Paul, Paul is, this is not false humility from Paul, by the way. Like, I'm, the, I'm less than the least of all the saints. He's saying, I didn't bring a lot to the table. Paul sincerely looked at his life. He was blown away. He understood who he was, how he had persecuted the church. Did he persecute the church? Killing Christians how much damage he did. He looked at his life, the damage he did, how much he deserved the wrath and justice of God. And he came to this place where he would say stuff like this. I'm the chief of sinners. I'm, the, I'm less than the least of all the saints. I'm as one born out of uh, due time. I was, a, I was like a, a miscarriage. And it wasn't false humility. Paul was blown away. Wow, the Lord would save me and use my life. Does anybody else feel that way? I do. 
It's like, wow, Lord, I can't, I can't believe you would allow me to serve you. I've defiled you with this body, with this mind. I've done so much damage. I've wrecked so many lives. And yet you give me a second chance, a fresh start. God, thank you. That's how Paul felt. It's amazing grace. This grace was given. Notice that. Paul says this grace was given. I didn't earn it. I didn't make it happen. Why? That I should preach to the Gentiles. That word preach means to share good news. There's not a whole lot of good news out there, is there right now? We've got good news, don't we? The grace, the gospel of grace that changes people's lives, that sets people free. Man. And Paul says the unsearchable riches of Christ. And and unsearchable, that means never quite able to fathom the depths of those riches. They are able to be discovered, but there are so many in number and their depth is so deep you can't quite, quite get to the bottom of them. Listen, because no one can ever say, I've learned it all, I've arrived spiritually. You know anybody like that? I do. I didn't give a chance to answer. You ever been around somebody like that? Like they know it all, they got all the answers. Listen, Buckaroo, his, the riches are unsearchable. You can't find them all out. The wealth of Jesus that he's freely given us, he shared with us. Listen, Colossians tells us, Paul writes, that all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus. That's so radical. And Paul says, that's what the Lord called me to do. He's gifted me to do this. He's given me this gift to serve him to preach, to share the good news, this message that has got to get out there. This ra- it's so radical, it's so liberating, it's so beautiful to communicate grace, sharing God's grace so that others might be set free also. And he goes on to say, and to make all see, everyone, to see that there's joint participation in this beautiful program, this beautiful mystery that's been around a long time from the beginning of the ages Yet it's been kept secret in the heart and mind of God who created all things. All things were created by God. Isn't that interesting? Through, what does your Bible say? Jesus Christ. Jesus was the agent of creation. This is so good. Colossians 1 tells us all things were created by him, by Jesus, and for him. Would that include you too? We're all created by him and for him. We exist for him. He created the church too, by the way. That's another part of his creation and the beauty of being connected to God and one another as a living temple, the family. We exist for him individually and corporately too. We exist for him. And so he goes on to say in verse 10, in order that now at this time, the manifold wisdom of God. What's manifold? Just think about the word man, many folds. Many, it means many-sided, many-faceted. It means multiple, multifaceted, many diverse manifestations. Let me put it in layman's terms. God works in many different ways. Have you found that true in your life? Have you guys found that true? Is God working in your life? He works in different ways, doesn't he? he he's all-wise. He knows everything. He knows what he's doing And the question is, the issue is, will I trust him? Has God ever surprised you? Did you like it? Has God ever surprised you guys? Did you like it? 
Here's what I'm seeing. I, I, and then, oh yeah, amen. <laughs> What's he talking about? <laughs> it's okay. I'd rather have you sleep here than anywhere else. Listen, his manifold wisdom is working in your life so that oftentimes his works come in very unexpected ways and, surprise, and surprising ways. And you know what? There's no other explanation but God. And God wants his wisdom, notice, he wants his wisdom to be made known specifically here by who? By the church. Who's the church? Us. That's us. Two, so God wants his wisdom that he's given to us, that he's, that he's produced in our lives, to be made known to who? What does the Bible say? To the principalities and powers where? Rulers and authorities where? In the heavenlies, in the unseen realm. Is that kind of interesting? God wants his wisdom, his amazing, many-faceted wisdom to be made known to those in the unseen realm. That's amazing. Both good and bad. Fallen angels, the good angels. Do you know that we have more on our side than... Okay. Last week we talked about, as believers, Jesus said, you'll know my disciples by their love for one another. All, the whole world will know us by our, as Christians, by our love for one another. Jesus prayed, John 17, three or four times that we would be one as he and the Father are one, and it would be a testimony to the lost world. And now Paul says here that, wow, our lives together as the church as we come together, as we get together, as we work together in fellowship, when grace is lived out correctly, we're serving the Lord freely, enjoying that blessing of serving Him, participating in this grace program, we work together and a miracle happens. The angels are blown away. That's heavy. Are they scratching their heads, their wingtips? Like... What does that even mean? You know, you know what that means? The normal for us is not to get along. Did you know that? The normal for people is not to get along. You get a bu- bunch of people together, they start talking trash, rumbling. They still use rumble? Is that word? For thousands of years, the angels have been looking on, watching men and women not get along. And then what does God do? He brings believers together as one, as a family, and now it's a testimony, a witness to those in the unseen realm of God's wisdom. That's amazing. That, like, to me, that's so awesome. But even the demons are looking, saying, uh-oh, look, at, they're together. They're together on something. We better ramp up the division but grace connects us in their sweet fellowship and we get a taste of heaven. Powerful things happen in the church. I love this. And notice in verse 11, what it comes down to is this was God's plan. From eternity past, he mapped it out 
And the Father made it possible by doing what? He accomplished this by sending his son Jesus, our Lord, our master, our boss. Listen, God was not making it up as he went along. This was already mapped up, mapped out in eternity past before the foundation of the world. And then he finishes here, check this out as we're finishing up this morning, in whom, speaking of Jesus, our Lord, because of Jesus, we have what? Boldness. What is boldness? Boldness means, literally in the Greek, it means freedom of speech. It means free and fearless in your speaking. So, We're encouraged in Hebrews to come boldly before the throne of grace. It's speaking of prayer. We have boldness to come before our Father to speak to Him. Listen, when we pray, to be real in our prayers. Are you with me? To be real. We're learning that on Wednesday night with David. Some of the stuff David prayed, are you guys tripping out on some of the stuff David prayed? Like, how could he say that to God? Lord, kick their teeth in? But David was real in his prayers. Do you think God wants real or phony? He wants real. And it doesn't have to be in King James English. You ever been with someone that prayed in King James English? Oh, greatest thouest daddy, father, givest us... Bestow upon a, bestow upon a, you guys ever use bestow? <laughs> I, we're laughing, but is that how you want your kids to talk to you? Daddy, greatest daddy, give us us thou a cookie. <laughs> give me, dad, give me a cookie, <laughs> you know, please. I mean, you can, you can pray in NIV <laughs> or NLT. The point being, we have access. We have boldness. What a blessing that is to come before our Father. To find mercy, to find grace, to find help in our time of need. He's just waiting for us to come to Him and to be real with Him. Are you with me on this? To be real. Jesus taught us about the phony prayers of the Pharisees, didn't He? They love, to, they love to do what? To pray long, vain repetitions, right? Over and over the same thing. And then Jesus gives us this model when you come before the creator of heaven and earth, you come before him and say, our father, dad. But he didn't say, and that's the prayer you're to repeat over and over and over again. Right? It's a vain repetition. Here's a model for you to pray. Man, you come before him and hallowed be that. May your name be hallowed in my life. May your name be honored in my life. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Lord, I want your kingdom to come. I know you're coming, Lord. I can't wait. I'm going to be about your business. I mean, you can totally tailor make that prayer for yourself. I do it, I try to do it every day, is tailor make the Our Father prayer. Your will be done. Lord, I've been, I've been pressing my will. I've been trying to get my agenda done. Lord, I want your agenda done in my life. You choose for me. Are you with me on this? We have boldness and access, availability to approach God with confidence. Don't think twice, just do it. 
Don't think twice, just do it. Why? Look what it says. Through faith in him. Because of our trust in Jesus Christ, we have this amazing privilege. Does prayer work? I don't know how it works, but it works. And it's awesome. And we're to pray without ceasing. To have that continual conversation. And because we have that access, because we have the boldness, the freedom of speech, to talk things over with him, to listen to him, to hear from him. Just like Mary sat at the feet of Jesus to hear him, to hear his words. That Listen, that privilege has been made possible because of what Jesus did for us. The veil torn, open house, anytime, anywhere. Just don't close your eyes when you're praying driving. Some of you will get that later. It's cool. But may we thank him for that, amen, and praise him for that in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for this amazing passage and such great reminders this morning. Your works are so great. We greatly delight in them, Lord, and rejoice. Thank you that we are your workmanship. Your poema, your poem, your creative expression to those around us. Thank you for the amazing blessings and gifts that you've given us. May we be encouraged this morning to walk in those, to be excited about the gift you've given us of of ministry, of serving you, Lord. Thank you for empowering us to do what you've called us to do. Giving us the strength, the sufficiency, the grace that we need.